and there's four of us, and our group gets separated, okay? And we're going to be able to call them. It's not that long ago, so we'll be able to call them and catch up after. But it's me and another guy. We're standing there in this huge just sea of people trying to get through it. And all of a sudden, a group of about 20 begins to walk through the middle. And so what happens is everybody ends up getting pushed back into somebody else. Okay, so this group begins to make their way through and I get pushed back. And it's about the time that I get pushed back that I feel a hand on my shoulder and it flips me around. And there's this man standing there and he asks the question that nobody ever wants to hear. He goes, why are you touching my girl? And I'm like, uh... And I turn and look, and his girlfriend's standing there, and I'm like, I am just so sorry. Like, I, that is my bad, and I'm panicking, right? Because he's a lot bigger than me, and it's not even going to be a fight. Like, you know what I mean? It's going to be over so fast. I don't have a chance. So I need to, I was in communication classes at the time. I've got to de-escalate the situation. I'm like, I am so sorry, ma'am. I am really sorry. I'm really sorry. Like, I'm just going back and forth, and this guy's really getting agitated with me. Like, he's getting really mad, and he's starting to bow his chest out a little bit, and it's like, all right, what am I going to do? Like, maybe I will just swing once and run for my life. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And I look back at my friend, like, all right, if something happens, we're in this together, right? And I look back at him like this over my shoulder, and he's about five feet away at the time, and his eyes are about this big, and he's just staring at me. And he looks at the guy, and he looks over at me, and he takes two <laughs> steps back into the crowd. So thankfully, the scary man's friends like came and were able to restrain him, and I was, we, we got out of it. We're fine. But I find my friend later, and I'm like, what was the deal? You can't leave me. He's like, I was going to get help. Like, I was not going to be any help in that situation. So I was just going to go get the police to find your body. And you know what? There's times in life where we are in literal tough situations like that where we need somebody else, where you're stuck between a rock and a hard place and you're going through something difficult and you really need somebody who's going to be in your corner, who's going to fight for you, who's going to believe in you. The story we're looking at today shows that perfectly. 1 Samuel verse 19, there's a guy that is going to be the main portion of this story named David. Now, most of us know a little something about David. David is the guy that slays Goliath. He's going to go on to be the king. David is one of the most popular and well-known men in all of Israel. He's got Every bit of it. If you think in your mind, I wonder what David was like. He seems pretty cool. He was. Like, the guy could literally do anything. He's fighting animals with his bare hands. He's killing giants. He's king. The guy is unbelievable. But David runs into a really sticky situation with King Saul. And there's got to be somebody who's going to step in or David's going to lose his life. I mean, Saul was ready to kill him as you and see. And there's a guy named Jonathan, who's Saul's son, who was David's best friend, that stands in during a really t tough time. I want you guys to check this out. 1 Samuel 19, verse 1. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, 
to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David, and Jonathan told David, Saul, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. Verse 4 says, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not king sin against his servant David because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand and struck down the Philistine. And the Lord worked a great salvation for all of Israel. You saw it and you rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David and he reported to him all of these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul as he, was in the, as he was in his presence before. So it's a real murky situation that we find because Saul is indebted to uh, David because, man, he's killed this giant, but David's gaining a whole lot of popularity, and Saul's pretty threatened by it, and he's ready to kill him. Jonathan's able to de-escalate the situation for a little bit. And then verse 8, And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a great blow so that, the, so that they fled before him. Then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand. And David was playing the lyre. Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he eluded Saul so that he struck the spear into the wall. David fled and escaped that night. And it begins this story of David on the run and Jonathan helping to protect his friend. You might not come across a situation like this. I really hope you don't, where maybe your parent is wanting to kill one of your friends. That would be a really odd place to be. But you are going to find yourself in a situation where you're in a tough spot dealing with tough circumstances and you need somebody in your corner. You need that person that you can lean in on, that person that you can trust with your life to help see you through it. This morning, we're focusing on this idea of what do friends look like in tough circumstances? What do friends look like in tough circumstances? And I want you to remember what we talked about last week that we're going to mention every single week. Of all of these qualities that we speak on and all these things that we dig into, here's what we've got to remember and stow away. If I want to find these kinds of people, I've got to become that kind of person. You're not going to surround yourself with friends that help you through tough circumstances if you bail on people when they're going through something tough. If you're somebody that doesn't like hardship and you don't feel like you can be around it and your friend's going through something really difficult and you begin to back off, just know when that time comes for you, you're going to look around and you're going to realize you've surrounded yourself with people just like you and you're alone. But when you're willing to dig into the trenches with somebody else, you'll be amazed at who's still standing next to you, even when life feels like it's at its worst. So here's our first thought on what do friends do in tough circumstances. I want to dive right into this. The first thing they do is they look to protect. And it's not just a physical protection. I'm not saying that, all of your friends need to be bodyguards, right? 
They look to protect not only with their actions, but with their words and with their thoughts. Check out what happens in 1 Samuel 19, verse 3. Jonathan's saying to David, And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you, and if I learn anything, I will tell you. Jonathan was going to protect his friend from the harm that was coming his way. That was number one in his mind. And you've got to realize what a difficult situation this puts Jonathan in. He's being pitted against his best friend and his family, and he's stuck somewhere in between. And he's got a really tough decision to make, but he tells David, look, I'm going to go out and I'm going to speak on your behalf. I'm going to stand in your corner. I'm going to go talk to my dad for you to see if we can resolve this situation. Guys, just know this. A good and godly friend is always going to look to protect your best interest. That's always going to be their number one focus is protecting your best interest. See, fake friends is where identifying them in this series. They don't really care about your best interest. They care about their best interest. They care about what matters to them and what's going to affect them most. You see, if Jonathan fell into this category of people, there's no way he goes and talks to his dad about David. It doesn't happen. you got to think about what's on the line for Jonathan. First off, Saul's going crazy, so Jonathan might have to pay for his life. But there's also financial repercussions that Jonathan could have faced for going to talk to his dad. This could change his life forever by choosing to be in David's corner rather than supporting the wishes of his father who was king. But Jonathan was looking out for the best interest of David. That was what mattered to him. Those were the things that meant something to him. He was going to protect his friend, even if it meant standing against his father. I don't know if you ever saw the movie 42 that came out about uh, the life of Jackie Robinson. It's an incredibly inspirational movie. It's powerful. It'll change how you think about that time period. But there's this scene in the movie, and there's a, a picture, and it really happened, where, man, Jackie Robinson's going through a ton of stuff. And people are on him. People are terrible to him. His own teammates are terrible to him. The home crowd hates him. And there's a moment out on the field where another player comes and puts his arm around him. A white player comes up, puts his arm around Jackie and says, I'm with you. He knew what that meant. He knew that people were going to hate him, that he was going to get hate mail. But he was protecting the best interests of his friends. Guys, it's really easy to be selfish in friendships. It's really easy to be selfish in relationships because we are self-centered people by nature. It's easy to just think about ourselves. But good and godly friendships are always going to protect those close to us. They're always going to look out for somebody's greater interest. You think about different moments in Scripture where it's all about people looking out for somebody else you know Jesus goes on to tell us later on he doesn't just say 
love yourself. He wants you to do that. But he also instructs us to go out and love our neighbor as ourselves. So as much as you love yourself, as much as you want to look out for yourself, you should have that same kind of mindset and framework for the way that you think about other people, the way that you think about your friends. So friends in tough circumstances look to protect, but they also know to use the right words. They don't just use words, they use the right words. Check out what scripture says in verse 4. And Jonathan didn't just speak of David to Saul's father. It says Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul's father. Here's something that I think we're still trying to grasp just as a society, and we've been working on it for thousands of years. Guys, if you've got real friends in your life, you shouldn't have to be in the room for them to speak well of you. Like, you shouldn't have to be around for them to speak well on your behalf. Good and godly friends are going to speak the same about you whether you're in the room or you're thousands of miles away. It's not going to change. They're going to use the right words to describe your character, to describe what kind of person you are. That's exactly what Jonathan's doing. Jonathan's reminding his dad, hey, you remember what David's done. The Lord's working through him. He killed Goliath. He's doing an amazing thing here in Israel. Don't forget that. How easy would it have been for Jonathan to go look at his dad and begin to speak well or to just bring up David's name? And he goes, and Saul, for Saul to respond and go, Jonathan, I don't care. This is what I'm saying. I'm your dad. I'm king. This is what's going to go. It would be really easy to begin to go, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. David does do this and he does do that. And we begin to back off really quickly. But Jonathan had dug in the trenches for David. I totally understand the pressure that exists and the difficulties that exist in high school. And I also understand how easy it is to just join in with what everybody else is doing rather than stand in obstinance of what they're saying. So a lot of times when they're talking about somebody else, it's a lot easier to just sit there rather than to say something. Because sitting there doesn't ruffle feathers. Sitting there doesn't get me in trouble. But if good and godly friends look to protect their friends, they're also using the right words even when that person's not around. Jonathan didn't need David in the room to speak well of him. You shouldn't have to be in the room for your friends to say the right things about you, to believe in you. But your friends also shouldn't have to be in the room for you to protect their best interests as well to say the right things about them. I think that's one of people's biggest frustrations with society and culture in general is we hear all the time about 
people that are fake and people that will say one thing and do another. It's going back to instances like this where people would rather fit in than stand up for somebody that they know and somebody they believe in. Guys, if I could encourage you with one thing this morning, be a friend who speaks well of others. Be a friend that believes the best in other people. Be a friend that doesn't really care what anybody else has to say. Because here's the deal. If you're changing your opinions based off what other people think, life's going to be difficult in general. Because you're always going to be trying to figure out who you are because everybody else is telling you who you are. Stand by what you know to be true and use the right words when you talk about others. Here's the really interesting thing, though, of how this transitions. So, yes, friends use the right words, but sometimes those right words lead to difficult conversations. And good and godly friends in tough circumstances never back down from hard conversations. They're always willing to have them. 1 Samuel 19.7 says this, And Jonathan called David, and he reported to him all of these things. Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in the presence as before. So Scripture says that Jonathan reports back to him all of these things, all of these things that took place in this conversation between Jonathan and Saul. I'm just going to go ahead and make an assumption that Saul probably didn't have a bunch of great things to say about David. He probably said some really hard things to hear. But Jonathan knew it was in David's best interest to know, and he told him anyways. He had some really difficult conversations and really difficult times because it was for David's best. I don't know about you, I really hate having hard conversations. Like, you hear the phrase beating around the bush? I will take a NASCAR lap around that bush. Like, I don't want anything to do with where that conversation's going, right? Like, I, I want to ease into it. I want us to all be good. Like, I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to get in the middle of something. But there's some times we've got to have hard conversations with people that we love. We've got to say things to them that might be difficult. We're worried about how awkward it would be. But if it's in their best interest, a hard conversation is always worth having. Because sometimes a hard conversation can save us from a whole lot of heartache later on down the line. Maybe you're noticing something in, in a friend's life that you know that is not God's best. Maybe it's something they're doing in a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe it's something they're doing on the weekend. I don't know. But going to them from a place of love and not judgment and going, hey, I love you too much for this to keep happening. 
I know everybody else is willing to stand there and watch, but I love and care about you too much and believe God's best about you. You're better than this. There's more to life than this. You can do bigger things than you're doing right now. I went through a, um, a period in high school where I was really frustrated with sports and um, felt like things kind of weren't going my way. And so that natural thought of like, oh, man, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to hang it up creeps into my mind, right? I, we've probably been there with something at, at some point in life. And word had kind of gotten out that I was incredibly frustrated. And the easiest thing to do when somebody's frustrated is to stay away from them. Because frustrated people can quickly turn their frustration on somebody else. It's the old phrase, hurt people, hurt people, right? So I remember getting pulled out of class and taken down to a coach's room, one of our assistant coaches. He brings me in, shuts the door, and goes, I heard you thinking about, about quitting. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he said... Look, you're going to do what you need to do, but just know you're shortchanging yourself if you do this. And you're not shortchanging yourself as an athlete. You might be the only glimpse of Jesus one of your teammates gets for the next two years. And so if you're willing to put your pride before what God wants to do through you, that's fine. Go ahead and do it. But I believe that God could use you to make an impact on your team in a way that's a lot bigger than a win or a loss. This is a really hard conversation to have. That's something that I would not want to say to somebody, but let me tell you, I needed it. And it changed my mindset and it changed my heart for my last two years of high school. Sometimes a hard conversation is the best thing that we can have. If there's something that will help you, a good and godly friend will tell you what it is. They're not going to shy away from it. They're not going to be scared of it. They're not going to be embarrassed by it because it's going to make you better in the long run. Here's what all of this brings together. Tough circumstances are hard. They're things that we don't want. But here's what can happen. Tough times can develop good and godly friendships. In tough times, we become incredibly self-aware of who we are and what we need. It's like when everything else gets stripped away, you realize what actually matters. You begin to make sense of the things that you need in life and the things that you don't. And when those tough times come and everything else has been stripped away, you realize who's actually there for you and who's just watching from the sideline. You realize who's actually in your corner and then who's just watching from the bleachers. Like there's this huge difference. And so yeah, there are times that we don't want, there are times that we would rather not go through, but sometimes they can forge some of the greatest relationships in our lives. That bond that can be created through a difficult circumstance and a difficult time in your life can lead to some of the greatest relationships in your life. But if you 
want people that are going to be there for you when you're going through a time like this? Guys, you've got to be there for somebody else. You've got to. And we talked about groups earlier today. I'm telling you, I can't think of a better place to start. If you're sitting here going, I need friends, I need people that are in my corner that encourage me, I need friends that stand with me through a tough time, you need to be at groups tonight because that's where those relationships can begin. Where we're sharing about stuff that is on our heart, things that we're walking through, and you realize that there is people in the world that want to be there for you. There is people in the world that want to support you, that believe the best about you, and are going to stand with you when you feel like you're standing alone. Guys, life is too big to walk through it alone. God didn't want you to walk through it by yourself. And he's placed people in our lives that can be there for us when we need them most. But we've got to be willing to do the same thing for somebody else. We've got to live it out. So I pray that you've got friends that will stand with you in tough circumstances. But I pray that you're standing with somebody else when they're going through it as well. Would you pray with me? Father, I know just how tough of an idea this can be. I know that uh, it is not always easy to stand with people in tough times, God. But you've created us for more than just ourselves. And sometimes we need to, to take off the blinders in our life and realize that you've placed other people around us that could be there for us, but first we've got to be willing to be there for them. God, I pray that you would begin to change our hearts, Lord, that we wouldn't be people that are self-serving, that only love ourselves, that only look out for our best interest, but God, that our hearts and our lives would turn outward and that we would look to be these kinds of friends, that circumstance wouldn't just find us and we wouldn't feel obligated to do it. We would know that's what you've called us to do. God, I pray for each and every one of these students and leaders that they've got somebody like a Jonathan in their lives for when they're going through a difficult time. God, there's somebody who can stand with them when they're stuck between a rock and a hard place and they can help to move that rock for us to keep moving forward. God, thank you for friendships. Thank you for that opportunity to have people like this in our lives. And thank you that you are still in the heart-changing business today. And that if we walked in here self-serving and just worried about what we do, God, that we could walk out of, here, out of here today with a completely different heart and a completely different mindset on life. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen.